You're listening to the Trans Narrative Podcast. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Join me, Caroline Penny, Aria Lackey, Christina Primakis, Lucy Balzano, and the rotating panel of gender diverse co-hosts as we create a space where trans voices are heard and celebrated. The Trans Narrative Podcast may contain explicit material, sensitive topics, and discussion. Explicit material featured. Parental consent is advised. Here we go. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, Aria, are you ready? Because we haven't done this in a long time. I'm ready. Okay, Lucy, are you ready? Born ready. Oh my god, this was just like how when we used to do it back when we first started doing it together. And like we would do it randomly, like super late at night, remember? Anyway, I'm super excited. Racing. Anyways, I see we have a guest. Who would you like to introduce them to our audience? I would absolutely. So hi, everyone. Welcome to the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Caroline Penny, and today we're sitting down with our wonderful friend, Stephanie Grace Haskins. Did I say that right? That's it. That's okay. it. Oh my God. Well, Stephanie, I'm so glad to have you here with Lucy Pazano and Aria Lackey. Uh, this is how we used to do it back a long time ago, so I'm really excited to have this here with just a few of us. Sometimes our producer gets carried away and brings 10 people on the show, so it gets confusing. So, anyway, really excited to have you here. So, before we get started, uh, Lucy, how are you? How's oh, life? Oh, you know, I'm fantasy come reality, darling. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad to see you doing well. And Aria, how is sunny California-ish uh, mm-hmm. area? Oh, I wouldn't know. I don't go outside. That's right. That's right. I, I'm, I'm, what, um, I'm what the kids call indoorsy. I got my TV. I got my there. Neat. I got my video games. I'm very comfortable in here. If I could be indoors, but like on the beach indoors, though, I would be much happier. Like if I could just be inside the AC, but like the whole like house is just like glass, looking out to the ocean, I'd be okay. So anyway, Stephanie, reverse climate change. Yes. Well, maybe. Yeah, Stephanie. you know, floods over. Well, that's that's future Caroline's problems. So, uh, and when I listen back to this, I'll be very irritated that I said that because it'll be me then having this problem. So anyway, Stephanie, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for thanks for being here. This is exciting. Yes. Okay. So, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it? Oh my gosh. Um... Well, I'm you know older than most most trans people are. Um, I was born in 1715 uh, in France, <laughs> and uh, no, actually, um, I'm a little bit older than the most uh, you know newbie trans people. I came out four years ago. Uh, spent most of my life in television news and uh, government media relations. Um, I had a sense that I was a, a trans person since I was like two years old. 
Um, I didn't ever have a sense that I was a feminine presence exactly, um, but I knew that I was an absolutely uh, terrible male person. And uh, I think I kind of proved that most of my life. Um, it's been, um, it's been a hell of a journey the past four years because uh, I've had to learn about this whole new chick inside of me. And um, so um been transitioning since 2019. I am post-op. I've done it all, seen it all, done most of it. Um, and uh, my current position at this point is that I write a, a blog for uh, nonprofit journalism um, zine, internet zine, and uh, about my transgender experience. And uh, it's, it's very raw, it's very profane, um, no holds barred. And uh, I guess that uh, probably a few thousand people know more about my former dick than uh, my parents did when I was born. Um, it's, it's yeah, you know, like I said, um, no holds barred. So um, that's me. Um, I'm here to. I'm a. I'm a trans advocate. I. Uh, I think that my role at this point, as a somewhat older person, is to uh, um, kick ass and not take names and uh, try to move our community out of the. Um, uh, dark ages and uh, into a new bright age, which means that uh, total equality, totally um, equal health care, uh, totally equal uh, political uh, influence, and most of all, just, uh, you know, that we're able to, uh, to be here and um, um, be here as safely as we possibly can be. I think we can all agree on those. At least I would hope so, since we're all trans. That's right. That's right. So could you speak about a little bit about your growing up? Because I read the um I read some of your background, so I had a chance to do that. And it, and you spoke of like growing up in Minnesota, Austin, Minnesota. Yeah. Is that like a small town or is that a big town? I don't know what that it's is. It's a fairly small town, about three thousand people. It's the uh, it's the home. Um, it's where Spam is made. That's its uh, its main claim to fame. Um, oh my God! You were you were born where Spam was made. I never had Spam. Yeah. Oh, spam. Apple juice. Spam is fabulous. You know, it'll rot you from the inside out and, um, you know, but you will never deteriorate. Is that Spam? Spam, actual, the stuff you eat. Comes like out. a uh, meat version of the Twinkie. Yeah, you know, from, uh, family guy. yeah, that's it. <laughs> when I was in Guam, they had a, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, Spam dishes. It was gone. Been a minute. Speaking uh, of Twinkies, if, if you live in Hawaii, you 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 know you have spam for every meal. 
And so uh, they'll spam pie there, I believe. Where's this at? Hawaii. Why spam do they like spam so much? What's what's? That's got to get shipped pretty far to get out there. Anyway, spam. Well, I've had it spam. once, but it tasted like ham, and I just nibbled on it. I don't know. Spam. That's you know. Oh my God! Spam ham. Is that what it is? Yep, it is. Where's the S come from? What's the S stand for? I have no fucking idea. Spam. Yeah. Why spam? Oh, very strange. Uh, very, very strange tangent to run off onto. <laughs> We're like, wait. Anyway. Oh, the S stands. The, the S way, stands for the spam. S. The S stands for spiced. By the way, spiced ham. Anyway. Oh, very well. What's yes. the P stand for? The what? What's the P stand for? It's package. Spice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, the P spiced. No spice. Ah, they just match yeah. the words together. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, so great. How did growing up in a small town of three thousand people shape your experiences in like uh, your your identity? Well, it was like I mean, you know, there I I had no identity. Um, you know, I was a a little boy who um, had no. No sense of maleness about me. Um, I didn't want to play with dolls. I didn't want to dress up. But, um, you know, it was just, I had no sense of who I was. It was I knew that I did not want to be a male person. Um, but what what other choice did I have? You know, it was so uh, when you, you know, have that kind of, uh, you know, situation to deal with, you kind of invent yourself, which is kind of what I did. Um, I invented myself so that I could survive in this little town of you know, conservative Republican people. And, um, you know, very, very Christian, very Lutheran, very Catholic, um, Norwegian. I'm mostly Norwegian myself. Um, so, you know, it's when you have no role models, when you have no mentors, uh, nobody that, that I could talk to, um, thank God for my grandmother. You know, uh, I think my parents um, um, pretty much did everything they could to squash me intellectually and personally. And um, you know, my sainted grandmothers uh, saved my ass. You know, it was uh, you know I was beaten. I was when I was a kid. My father was uh, raised in Tennessee, where corporal punishment is pretty much uh, uh, happens every day to almost every kid. Uh, at least some years back. Um, I was sexually molested. Um, so, you know, you build up this, this defense mechanism. You, you know, you create calluses all over yourself emotionally and on your body and you get on with it. Um, you know, it's what I think most trans people do is that we, we do the best we can to survive. Um, and until we can somehow manage to uh, make a determination that either we we come out and 
um, live our fullest lives, or in my case, um, you know, a couple of suicide attempts later. Um, you know, it's it's uh, my story is no different from most trans people. Yeah, not no different from yours or or um, ninety five percent of the uh, people in our community, because for the most part, nobody wants us. And so, um, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. Um, Stephanie, I, I read one of your articles on, um, what was it again? The reporters. Uh -huh. Um, and you, you talked a lot about the, the loss you, uh, underwent in your process to be your true self, how you lost connection with a lot of people in your family, but that you were also part of a rebuilding process for, um, for gaining that family or a family back. So I was curious, how, how's that process, how's that process gone for you up to today? And what kind of advice would you give to other trans people who are going through some similar things that you might've had experience with? Well, I think the process is, you know, you really honestly, I think the one thing that um, all of the people that I've run into within the trans community, almost all of us, um, are really strong people. Um, basically, very strong, um, kind, giving, loving people. Um, because I think we have a sense that we have to create our own families. We have to create our own communities. Um, so it's been a it, it's it's been a very difficult journey. But again, what what I found is that um, after the initial process of coming out uh, four years ago, um, I had the first year I pretty much survived by myself. Um, you know, luckily I was uh, able to, you know, be an older person and um, I had some financial wherewithal to, you know, live by myself in a fairly decent uh, um, decent place. And um, so I wasn't destitute, I wasn't on the street, but um, I was alone. And frankly, I was absolutely fucking terrified. Um, and I think that terror is a very real component for um, lots and lots of transgender people. Um, even if they, they they live in okay circumstances, um, you know, you have the sense of, you know, what the fuck am I doing? Um, how am I going to, to, to survive this? Because everybody in my former environment um, wants nothing to do with you. You know, I, you know, I lost my wife, uh, lost my daughter. Um, they're back in my life now. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it, it's... The, the, they the heard out like 100% against uh, the city. I'm sorry? Somebody said something? Oh no! Um, the technical difficulties. There was nothing. Uh, yeah, I believe, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, I believe there was like some sort of audio, but I don't think it was pertaining to anything here. So, yeah. please continue. 
uh, yeah, well, so, you know, it's, it's over the past four years, you know, I've, you know, been able to reach out, make connections. I'm in, you know, therapy, I'm in several groups. Um, and, you know, you do find yourself at some point um, making connections and, um, and discovering that, you know, Holy shit, you know, um, I actually am starting to have a life. Um, and I suspect that's what most people do. Um, but I've also run into, you know, some young people um, who are out on the streets at the age of 15. And they have nothing. They have no community. They're unhoused. Um some of them turn to prostitution. Some of them, you know, drug addiction. Some of them don't make it. Uh, you know, we have to choose life. And um, that's kind of, I guess that that's kind of uh, where I'm at right now. I chose to make it. I chose to survive the best I could. Uh, not perfect. Nobody's got a perfect life. But, um, you know, it's a... I think that, you know, you live each day by uh, degrees, you know, you're, you, 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 you find a little bit of sanity in sometimes very small things, sometimes in a single person, sometimes in a, in a uh, unexpected situation, but you build on that and you make yourself whole again. And, um, that's at least what I did. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. It really is hard. And um, you, I think that, you know, the, the what I've learned in the past four years, five years, is that, you know, if you, if you um, expect the best of people, that you surround yourself with, um, you can build a pretty good life. And um, I wouldn't give up my life now to go back to where I was five years ago for anything. You know, I've had absolutely awful moments, terrible moments, terrifying moments. And yet I've had, you know, some unbelievably joyful moments. And, um, but you know what, that really is a component of finding yourself and um, finally being able to look at a, look at yourself in the mirror and, you know, sometimes we see imperfections, sometimes we see lots of imperfections, but sometimes we also see perfection. And, um, I guess that's kind of what I do now is that I look for the little perfect things about myself. And when I find those little perfect things, it's kind of astounding. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. Yeah, the way I like to phrase it to uh, younger trans folk, or as I like to call them, baby trans people is, and especially eggs are the people who they have that inkling, but they don't really know if they're ready to take that step. It's like, 
Well, you know, transitioning may or may not be right for you in this moment. I can't guarantee you that it's going to be rainbows and uh, sunshine every day. It's not going to be rainbows and roses. Some days it's going to be kind of shitty, but at least that internal pressure of you seeing yourself and being so displeased with what you see in the mirror, that internal I hate myself will slowly start to dissipate as you see some of the changes, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Yep, you're right. You're right. It's a, and, uh, I mean, we call it a transition for a really good reason. <laughs> yeah, not nobody, automatic. Nobody starts out as a fully formed transgender person. Um, you know. Well, even, even, I like to point out that even cisgender people uh, going through the puberty that they enjoy, still, it still takes time. It's not a, you wake up one day and you're like, bam, ah, I've got a full beard. I, my older brother took forever to grow his face fur, as I like to call it. Well, I think that, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, I will say this, that, uh, you know, any, any, um, young transgender person who is has the sense that um as you said it's all rainbows and pretty flowers and really cool dresses and um fabulous makeup um it's it's just not going to work out it's just not going to work out for you well, yeah. Well, and it is important to note that even if you don't choose to transition, that's not to say that every day is going to be rainbow and roses for you if you don't. It is a probability. Only you get to decide. Only you can make that decision. And only when you are ready. If somebody tries to force, well, not force, if somebody tries to make that decision for you, as, you know, outing can be, especially for questioning people, it's okay to get that person out of your life. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, there, uh, you know, I have friends who, um, like me, lost everything. And, um, you know, one guy that uh, who is just starting her journey is, um, you know, her, her former wife um, tried to have her institutionalized. Um, tried to make it impossible for her to transition. Um, you know, and this person was an attorney for God's sakes, um, who had a, you know, a pretty much by all accounts, a fabulous life. Maybe to other people, it was a fabulous life. To her, it was a life that was um, pretty close to coming to an end. Um, yeah. Just at any one given point in time. Um, that was certainly me the last you know, few years of, of my existence as a penis person is that, um, you know, it was, um, if, if certain things had happened in certain ways, um, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here right now, but, uh, you know, and just the little things that that help you make that decision. Um, in some respects, I really admire, um, you know, young trans kids who have this 
this strong sense of identity at the age of five. They know who they are. I didn't have a fucking clue who I was. I mean, other than the fact that I was this incredibly shitty version of this young male thing that... Well, uh, I would like to, to slightly rephrase that to be less of, you didn't know what you were. It's more like you knew something was off. You just didn't have the education and the tools to recognize well, it yet. Sure. Right, exactly. If you had that, you, I'm pretty, pretty certain you'd have been like, oh, I know exactly what this is, but we didn't have that sort of resources like, yeah. what, 20 years ago? You're probably right. But again, it was, I I didn't have the vocabulary, certainly. Yeah, exactly. So I it's mean, very yeah, important. It like, okay, if I'm not this, then am I that? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like when I first had this, my, what I call is my um, temporary gay revelation when i was starting your epiphany but like yeah it was like whoa yeah and it happened within a second i mean it was like i was this so-called straight kid <laughs> one second and then and one second later i was like holy fuck what is that all about you know and it happened in of all places in my eighth grade pe class when, you know, for some reason, I think I had a cold or flu or something like that. And so I, I I hadn't dressed that day. So I was standing in this gym. Um, I think it was in like February, March, something like that. Anyway, so, you know, the other guys in the class were playing basketball. And um, so here I am standing there just kind of, you know, wishing the fuck that I was someplace else. And all of a sudden, I happened to notice this kid, um, this young guy, um, my age, 13, without a shirt on. And it was like, what the fuck is that? You know, and it happened just like that. Um, so, you know, it's little things like that that led to, you know, my starting to have a sense that I had a queer identity and it scared the shit out of me, obviously. And so I spent, you know, most of my life in the closet as a gay male. Uh, again, still having the sense that I really wasn't a male, but I didn't know what I was. So, you know, what well, do you And it was especially dangerous back then, like, you know, I'd say, what was it before the early 2000s? you could lose everything and even into the 2000s it was still very wishy-washy and it wasn't until like the late 2000s that it was like okay we're not gonna like take you out back and beat you but we're still gonna be incredibly shitty to you that's right i didn't i when i was younger i i used to watch a lot of um what they would call gay porn because it was just a thing oh at the God. time really and and, and so <laughs> Oh, it was so, it was so like, oh my God, it was like the best. And so like there I was 11 years old, you know, like, and there was this, the HBO had come on around that time. And so like these shows were like, people were just fucking, and I went, told my, my mom one time, I was like 11. I was like, Hey, I was like, so I'm watching the show on HBO where like, 
they're like doing it in the butt. And she's like, oh, honey, that means they're gay. And I was like, oh. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, so that's what it means. She's like, yes, it's called anal sex. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. And then so I just thought it was normal that like people just watched like gay sex all the time and that it was it was nice. And then like I got older and then like I started liking guys and then like these guys would like me back and then they would like look at me one time and and then they'd freak out and turn to hate me and they'd be nasty. And then I'd be like, oh, my God, what's happening? And then they'd message me like six months later and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I want to be friends. And I'm like, what's happening? And then it was only until like I was like, you know, in my late 20s that I was like, oh, huh, I guess that that's a trans thing. And then I thought and I had that same thing where I came out as gay. And then I was like, oh, no, oops, it's not like because I was like, I'm not gay just because I like men and find, you know, that (laughs) to be a wonderful like they were like, yeah, like i fought that they were like they were like caroline of course they didn't say caroline but the you know they're like caroline i was like i was like i love this man i love this person and they're like yeah and i was like and they like me back but they're like they're not gay and like and i'm not gay and they're like but caroline it's a man and like i was like right i get that but that's society's problem not mine because i (laughs) just like them and they're like but you're a guy and i'm like no i'm the universe okay as well because hippie days you know how it was So I so but yeah, and then one day I was just on the beach and I was like, oh, so I guess just because I didn't know at five that I was trans, because like that was my biggest struggle. It's like, well, I didn't know because I didn't know at five. Like I thought, you know, I can't just like be like, uh, you know, in, in my late 20s and be like, I'm trans now because like it's so ins- I thought it was so insincere to like all the trans people because I'm like, oh, but what about their struggle? I don't want to invalidate their struggle by kind to compare my journey to theirs and then it was like there i was in the beach being like wait a minute was my life like the experience of trans people and then i'm like oh my god is that what the trans experience was i'm like oh my god that's literally i know exactly what that is that's me let's appreciate caroline's whole fucking like oh i can't be trans but i love men but i'm definitely not a gay man but i can't be trans but maybe i just i i might be pretending and i don't want to take away from the actual trans people you are the mean caroline i want you to understand that thank you thank you i've always wanted to be a meme people in the u.s marine corps oh did i say that um you know it's like um uh you know exactly you know it's i i guess that the first sense that i was something other than this formless unmale person you know about i don't know 20 years ago i guess when marcy bowers started uh doing her first specials on the learning channel or discovery or whatever the was and watching those programs where she took people and who knew exactly who they were. And she, as a transgender doctor, knew pretty much exactly what she had to do to help them get on with their lives. And those programs, and there are three or four of them, um, they really hit me hard. They really did because it was kind of the beginning of the sense of, you know, maybe I could do that. 
maybe I could, maybe if I could somehow escape from this incredibly straight, um, very scary life that I'd built for myself with my daughter, with my two, with my ex-wives and, you know, the whole, you know, living my life as a pretend person. Maybe there was a way for me to change all of that. But again, without really the sense of that vocabulary that said, transgender person, you, um, you know, it took me a long time to internalize that and to, you know, fully understand that, by God, that's actually me, dudes. That's me. Um, so, you know, that's a, you know, when I said I, I kind of envy the, you know, young kids who do have that sense of identity. Um, I wish the fuck that I had, but I didn't. And, you know, so most of my life was was living sort of as this strange, amorphous, little boy person, man person that really had no sense of identity and just really never had any really deep connections with almost anybody because every time that I started to feel close to somebody, you know, I would pull myself back because I'd say, but Jesus, what if they actually love me back? What the fuck then? So, uh, you know, that's that sense of amorphous identity that, you know, for people who do have that in that strong sense very early in life, um, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to to negotiate. Um, it's not, obviously. But at least you have that, that little spark inside of you that says, yeah, that's me. And um, I mean, I didn't really... I didn't have that sense of identity until five years ago. Again, nah. it was this, this very unhappy male pretend person. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, and now I look back at all of those years, you know, they weren't wasted years by any stretch of the imagination. I had a great career. I had you know, a wonderful family, but it was a family with somebody else, you know? And so, um, I mean, I'll tell you exactly when I finally did have the vocabulary to be, to know who I was. Um, in 2019, um, I was very close to just cashing it in. I, I, you know, retired early. I was desperately unhappy, desperately depressed. And um, I tried suicide a couple times. And you know, at the last minute, I uh, decided not to go through with it. Um, mainly because uh, I knew the impact that it would have on my daughter. 
And I just couldn't do that to her. Um, one of them was, you know, the old, the old, um, start your car in a closed garage and, you know, just flip off with carbon monoxide poisoning. And, um, really, I almost pulled it off. And, um, but the thing that stopped me in, was right before I slipped into unconsciousness, I saw that picture in my mind of my little girl. And um, I couldn't do it. And so, um, you know, more years of, of being a phony, of, of being afraid, of being guilty, of being sad. Um, but, you know, you carry on. I carried on because it was what was expected of me. And, um, but anyway, so 2019, um, I started, I knew that I had to figure out what the fuck was going on inside of me. So I looked around for a therapist and um, I found this young guy, this young Episcopalian priest who was doing, who had just graduated from UC Berkeley from their um, um, divinity department. And he was waiting for his first assignment as an Episcopalian priest somewhere in Northern California, Davis or, you know, someplace like that, Sacramento maybe. And so I don't know why I saw his picture in Psychology Today magazine as a life coach. And I thought, well, what the fuck? I have nothing to lose. So I contacted him and he said, yeah, I'll take you on for a couple months. And so I said, okay. And the first couple sessions, you know, just essentially I came out first as this gay guy. But, you know, when, when we started to explore more than my gayness, if you will, um, you know, um, his name was Alex. And Alex looked at me and said, you know, I think you are a woman. I think you are a transgender woman. And I said, oh, come on. You, what bullshit? No, I'm not. But, you know, within just minutes, 10 minutes maybe, um, my entire body was flooded with this and it really was amazingly joyous sensibility that, by God, I am. I really the fuck am. This is who I am. And um, yeah. And from that that moment on, um, I've never looked back. I've never ever even tried to pretend that that's not who I was. Um, I've had very little gender dysphoria in, my, in the past five years of being, you know, an out trans person because 
There's no anxiety about it. That's exactly who I was. That is exactly how I was. That was what I was. And so, um, you know, I, in one respect, been very fortunate because when I finally understood my identity, when I finally understood that this was what I had to do, this is how I had to live the rest of my life. Um, you know, it's just, what can I say? Here I am. Um, I, I really liked what you were saying about having the vocabulary to know who you are. <clears throat> and I, I think that's a thing that some people don't understand um, when it comes to people that come out and transition later in life, is that if you lack the vocabulary, um, it's hard to or sometimes impossible to conceptualize that being part of the LGBT community is even something that you could theoretically do. Like, I, I know I had that issue. Um, I came from a very conservative religious background. Um, I, I had no concepts that being trans was something that I could potentially be. My, my only knowledge of trans people for the most part was the bigotry I heard about it from the church and every once in a while television like TLC or the Learning Channel or those things they little documentaries they had that still depicted trans people in a very negative light it's like oh look at these weirdos over here so it did not connect for me until I was basically already an adult so that that could, was something that I could be and you know going further back in time like 50s 60s and 70s you didn't have access to the internet. You didn't have easy connections to to communities the way that we do now. So it was even harder to find that kind of language, which obviously is is something you're very familiar with. Well, you know, I think that you know, for you know, it's it's really unfortunate that um, we as a transgender community um, have virtually no sense of the history of who we are. Um, when I was a kid growing up, um, the only transgender person that I knew about was a trans, the, one of the first trans people who came out and identified, openly identified um, as a trans person was Christine Jorgensen. And, um, I'm guessing you you guys probably don't know who she is. She was um, a soldier in World War II. Oh, oh yeah, the, um, the the blonde bombshell. Yeah, right. yeah, you're right. And she, you know, uh, somehow connected with a surgeon who did you know one of the very first vaginoplasties and. Um, yeah, breast augmentation, and she, um, you know, in the late 40s, early 50s, um, she was it. And she was seen as a as kind of this strange person, this 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 man who would dare to mutilate himself and get rid of, you know, men's most precious uh, possession, which was, of course, 
his penis. And, um, but she did, she was incredibly brave. Um, she worked as an entertainer during the 50s and 60s. She didn't live a long life. She died in the 70s. And um, she was you know, modestly successful as a singer, uh, didn't have a great voice. I've seen you know, um, old television kinescopes of, of her. And um, you know, she was on the early talk shows and but you know it was always as this oddity this strange thing and but we as transgender people owe that woman so fucking much because of her innate bravery because she was the, can you imagine being the only person in the world, I'm sure there were other people, and I'm sure that there were other people who, you know, worked with surgeons to trans transition themselves. But she was the only one out there, uh, you know, doing television shows occasionally, um, making a living as a woman who had been born a man, a boy, a male. Um, when was this? When was this? I'm sorry. When was, was this? In the fifties. <clears throat> she, she had her first surgeries, I, I think, in the late forties, and she uh, most of her career as an out trans person was in the fifties and sixties, and um, you know, as as you know, we all know, in the late sixties, early seventies, the process of transitioning surgically. Uh, became not quite such an oddity, but still just very, very few people um, had the bravery to recognize that that um, sensibility within themselves and to somehow somehow um, transition, transform themselves into the people whom they were, you know, and, um, you know, we don't hear much about, um, at least then, we didn't hear much about the other side of the coin, the, you know, the transmasculine people. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine how difficult it was for them. You know, were they were they just, you know, bull dykes? Were they just, uh, um, you know, strange women who dressed up as men? Yeah, probably. That's, that's how society saw them. That's how our culture um, looked at them. Um, but, you know, how, how fucking difficult, how brave it was for them to negotiate you know, just everyday life, um, mostly in the closet, I would assume. Um, but still, and kind of. I was... Go ahead, Lucy. Yeah, I was going to say there were several documented cases of transmasculine people in the Esther Yonder. There are some really good ones. Like, I forgot the guy who became the surgeon, but. Um, Magnus Hirschfield? Little... Huh? 
No. Well, you may be thinking about Marcy Bowers, who is a transgender, male to female transgender surgeon. She's still. Oh, no. I'm talking about the. There was a trans masculine person. There, there's several documented instances of um, trans masculine people who were, you know, recognized as men for uh, their entire living period, and then afterwards, when it was discovered they were trans masculine, they would. The shock and outrage as this well-respected doctor was actually a quote unquote woman, even though it was a a man. They were just yeah, back in world back in the Civil War days. There were several um, trans masculine people who who fought on both sides the you know the Confederates and the Union armies who um, served as out. They were. They served as men, and um, you know when they when when they died, and you know they were, you know the undertaker saw them saw their genitalia, uh, you know then of course that's exactly what happened. Oh my God, this is these people were men or women. I um when um, I was sorry. When I was younger, I wanted to relate back to uh, the experience of like not feeling like not having the vocabulary, because like when I was younger, I had always thought that like I, I couldn't be trans in a way because like I have to go to the doctor's office and get like changed. Like I thought like transitioning, I thought trans people it's like they just went to the doctor and then they just got everything taken and then they got pretty. And then, like, they came out of it. So, like, okay, so when, like, Caitlyn Jenner came out in 2015, the whole world was like, oh, my God, Caitlyn Jenner, monkey. The Caitlyn Jenner was, um, they came out, and then I, not knowing who they were before, um, was like, oh, okay, so this is just a woman. Like, okay. And then they were like, no, they're they're a stunning and beautiful woman. And I'm like, okay. And, like, they were made, like, I didn't understand what the fuss was. Like, and I didn't know. And then I found out, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, so... Like you can only be trans if you go to the doctors and get it and get it taken off and get the other thing. And then I was like, well, I could, I possibly couldn't be trans. Cause I, you know, I, you know, I have to be, I have to have like, I thought I had to have like this like permission slip, like a, like a doctor's, like I thought I, I thought it was like, yes, you have to have known that you were trans since you were five. And if you didn't, then you don't get to go to the doctor and come out the next uh, afternoon as a woman or as a man, you know, whichever you come from. And I'm like, oh, well, then I thought that's what Caitlyn Jenner did. You know, I thought I thought she just went to the doctor and then just, you know, they did they did like a four hour surgery and they just made her what it was and gave her everything she needed. And she just came out and she got on a magazine and I was like, wow, so that's so that's what it is. And I guess you have to have a permission slip that says, yes, you can do that. And then you do it. And I'm like, I didn't, I obviously didn't have that. Cause I didn't know since I was five. So I was like, so I couldn't be, I, I didn't know my whole life. And like, there I was being like, who am I? I don't know who I am. And like doing all this stuff and things, trying to figure it out and being like, Oh no. And just like all this different stuff. And just like looking in the mirror and telling my friends being like, have you ever looked in the mirror and like seen your face? But like, it's like blank white eyes, like, not knowing like just seeing a body but like nothing to it like you ever felt like that and they're like caroline what and i'm like yeah like have you ever just felt the void of like existence and they were like um 
I'm just gonna go back and they were like, just gonna go back to life. You know, this is creepy. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you don't like this is the most important thing that every human deals with, right? They were like, What? I was like, who you are? They're like, I know who I am. I'm like, but I don't, and you don't. There's no way. You have to go through like years and years of figuring it out. And then one day you'll come out back from the mountaintops and have a different name and know who you are. And then son of a gun, monkey. <laughs> so your, your th- cat knows who they are. That's for yes, sure. Yes, she does. She does. She and does. they are and a so, troublemaker. She is. She is. So I thought, I just thought that, yeah, you know, I thought I, I thought I was supposed to know since I was five. I if I, and I think about that now, like if I had had the education that, that, that students have today, that my life probably would have been better. And I may have been able to be with the various men that I had liked that I didn't know that I could like, because I was like, well, I'm not gay, but like, I like them. And they're like, yeah, well, I'm not gay either. And I'm like, well, this is odd. So like, what are we going to do? And they're like, why well, can't be with you? And I'm like, well, why? They're like, cause you're a dude. And I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, yeah, you're, and so it was just awful. And I wouldn't have to go through that if I had just been educated. So, and then that's why I'm so fiercely like advocating for like ensuring that children today are educated um, because I don't want them to go through what we went through because it's not necessary. It's a struggle and it's not, you know, I wouldn't recommend what I did for anybody because trying to like explore the depths of your mind through substances probably wasn't the best thing to do, but here I am anyways. So we all have our experiences. Yours was church. Mine was, uh, you know, hippy dippy stuff. I mean, you know, I don't know. I personally don't know a single transgender person who hasn't at some point in their lives, um, you know, wished upon a star, prayed to God. I don't want to be this way. I don't want, I don't like who I am. Please, God, change me. Um, you know, it's a, I mean, as Pete Buttigieg, as an example, um, I read that at least a couple times in his life that, that when he was a kid, um, actually physically, you know, got down on his hands or on his, on his knees and prayed to God that he would wake up the next morning as not a gay man. And, you know, also that he, you know, really hoped that science would, would create an ungay pill that he could take and would get rid of his gayness. I don't know a single transgender person who has not had similar uh, feelings about themselves and their lives because, I mean, stop and think about it. Who would wish this on on, on, on themselves? Who would who would wish the you know this 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 sense of being absolutely alone initially? The guilt, the anger, the fear, the terror. Um, Jesus, I I I can't. Um, you know, I felt all those things, and I suspect every transgender person has felt exactly the same way. Um, but I, I can also say that, you know, from my own personal experience, that regardless of that, 
maybe in spite of it, um, and, and maybe to, to put it as you were as you were saying, Caroline. I think we all got permission slips from ourselves to mm-hmm. be who we are. You know, we didn't have to ask anybody. We give ourselves permission slips to be transgender people. Um, so it's it's acceptance, self-acceptance. Um, you know, for me, coming out was the single most important moment in my life. Because Mm -hmm. even though I didn't really totally understand what was ahead of me, um, I can remember, you know, going on long walks a couple days after my session with my therapist. And God, for the first time ever, um, I thought, Jesus, I don't have this knot in my stomach. I, you know, I'm, my God, what is this? This incredible sense of lightness that um, I never had before. And it was, it was so fabulous, so amazing. Just amazing. Hmm. I was so, uh, I guess, lucky to have traveled across the country to find myself because I had just run out of options. I just decided to travel eight states away, thinking that that would solve my problems. And then I finally got to the ocean and all my problems were right there. And I was like, oh, my God, I just traveled like 11 states for what? Just to get away from all of my problems. And now they're here. And then, of course, after a while, I I found myself right there on that same beach. And it was the most beautiful moment of my entire existence. I had waited. I had yearned for it. I had thought everything that I thought every human went through was what I had wanted for myself. I had wanted to come to the go to the mountains and come back i'd always heard those hippies that would be like i went to the mountains and i came back and i have a new name and and i was like oh my god i'm gonna do that like this ram das guy like oh my god that's so cool and then like but where i don't i can't i was like of course i could never do that so i went to the beach instead it was beautiful you know and i just i wish and hope that every trans person or egg or baby or or just person that yearns for something more, you know, has that moment of clarity and and just I remember that moment. It was so surreal because it was so foggy out, like prior to the moment of my realization and acceptance. And then after that, I swear to gosh, Scott, the this the the all the fog went away and I could see the sunset. It was so pretty. And it's just, that's you know. I think this coming out was like, and accepting that was like one of those moments in life I'll never forget. Yeah, I think that's, I think that that also might be the story of all of us, you know, is that, you know, that when that final thing, that final piece of of darkness fades away and 
we know exactly who the fuck we are, maybe for the first time ever, um, hopefully sooner than later, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully in a, in a culture, I hope that, you know, someday can be here where, um, you know, when, when a young person chooses to announce themselves to the world that whom they really are, that instead of saying, what can we do to change you, that the response will be, what can I do to help you? Mm. What can I do to help you? What can I do to love you? And for me, um, sad to say, um, <laughs> it really is. I don't know, the audio broke out. Oh, uh, Stephanie, we can't hear you. You are. Hold on. There we go. There we go. Now we can hear you. Can you repeat back <laughs> what you said? Can you say that part again? Sure. Um, at least in my own, my own life. Um, I still, in some respect, and, you know, I still haven't had someone um, just say to me, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are who you are. You know, I have lots of friends and I have, you know, my family is supportive, but still, you know, even after five years, still nobody has just said, Stephanie, I love you as you. You know, um, I assume that they do. But those words are so fucking important to people. They're so fucking important to young people, to kids. Um, and I wish that for everybody. I hope that, that at some point in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever the fuck it is, that when again, when a child announces to the world, this is who I am, that they'll be met with love instead of disdain or fear or anger. Um, it's just, you know, it's just so, so fucking important. It's, it's such a powerful, powerful thing just to tell a kid who's struggling, you know, you count for something. You mean something to me. You know, welcome to you. Hopefully sooner rather than later. And, you know, if anything, we're we're here trying to build that culture of more, more acceptance than we ever had before. So fingers crossed. I think we have... A wonderful opportunity. I think that social media is fun. And I think that, you know, and it's 
everybody says it if we just use it in the right ways you know and not in a way that encourages fascism then maybe it would be good for us you know but currently like it's just so much is happening and i just i don't know I, i'm trying to stay away from it but i also know that i can't just like not be a part of the ongoings of the world and just like try to be in my own world which is nice and which is something that a lot of people have the privilege of doing is just like turning their head and just living their own life and we as trans people don't get that and so that's yeah. a struggle i have because it's like well i fought so hard in my life that why can't i just you know focus on on work and family and and you know the podcast or something like that why does why does it why do i always have to fight so hard for the world and because and if maybe we if we don't fight then we lose and we are right now you know this past year just the past nine months you know 28 states introduced 500 more than 500 bills that had some negative effect on transgender health on transgender um day-to-day -day existence um in little ways and big ways and silly ways and stupid ways and evil ways, we cannot not fight. We have to pay attention to the evil that um, that we face. We're a tiny, tiny minority in this in this country. Um, we are, in my opinion, you know the most important civil rights um, struggle that this nation is facing, that the world is facing, because there are people who are running for president who want to erase us. We can't let that happen. Absolutely. We have, uh, to, be, mm -hmm. have to be vigilant. We have to be strong. And we have to fight. We have to be willing to fight. And, you Absolutely. know, as I, as I have begun to say to people, echoing the French Revolution, to the barricades, sisters, to the barricades, because that's exactly what it may come down to. You know, we've got a struggle that we cannot afford to lose, because if, if we lose it, we're gone. We're back in the closet. We're secret again. Yeah, we're back in the days before Christine Jorgensen. Yeah. We can't let that happen. We just absolutely fucking cannot let that we, happen. We fight so that one day we can have that privilege of not having to make our lives about fighting for our lives. We can just actually enjoy it. And that's why I, in my mind, as the last thing I'd like to say is I, I fight for tomorrow and for all of us so that one day we can just enjoy what we have and and so we don't have to fight the fight is so we so we don't have to keep fighting for the rest of eternity until until it's all gone so okay well with that being said uh stephanie i really thank you for being here i really i really enjoyed this conversation and i'm really thankful for lucy being here i know it's late and Thank you, Aria, for being here. I took a lot of notes of me writing my name over and over. So, um, 
Okay, Sorry. well, Lucy, Lucy, thank you so much. All right, let's. I'd let, and then I'll say goodbye really quick. So, Lucy, thanks for being here. It's good to see. You. I'll see you next week. You know it. I'm gonna go Bye. lay down before this messes me up more. All right, all right, Aria, Stephanie, any last words uh, that you'd like parting? You know, I know that you know you practice your Christian virginery. How is that going? No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay, we're not. It's too. It's too late. The show's over. We're not. We're not doing the the, the silly bit. But <laughs> all right, yeah, that's um, fine. Uh, Stephanie, it's. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, your your story is fantastic. I loved reading your um, your essays. They were phenomenal. You're a very good writer, and it was great talking to you. Everyone, if you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. This podcast is available on Apple, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or YouTube. Today's episode was recorded on September 6, 2023. Today's show was hosted by Caroline Penny, Aria Lackey, and Lucy Balzano. Today's guest was Stephanie Grace Haskins. The Trans Narrative Podcast was created and produced by Caroline Penny. Music created by Athena Promakis. This episode was brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. If you'd like to reach out, learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved with the show, email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for gender diversity. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within one another. Thanks for joining us. We hear the stories of gender diverse people and celebrate our community. Mm-hmm.